podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Neil Atkinson and John Gibbons here uh, with another edition of Specialist Subject, and this time we've got Mo Stewart. And Mo, what are you going to talk to us about? Um, I'm going to talk to you guys about the love of my life, which is music and through that extension DJing, playing that music to other people in places, in spaces, wherever people want to listen to music. Good. <laughs> Looking forward to it. So what makes a good DJ, Mo? Um, someone who's able to listen. Someone who can go into a bar with an entire set planned and look at the room and junk it because it knows it doesn't work and do something else. Essentially, you've got to remember that the reason you're there is to make other people have fun. And you, the medium you've got to do that is music. So you can have preconceived ideas about what you think would work in this section or what you think would work in the kind of people you're expecting to see in a bar. But... It's never going to be that way all the way. You need to be flexible. You need to be able to roll with the punches because those are the best nights where, when you can just, you know, see something happening and then off the back of that, something else happens. Off the back of that, something else happens. And before you know it, it's five hours deep and you've gone all around the musical spectrum and everyone's just had an absolutely fantastic time. Mm. How, did you, how did you start DJing Mo? Not the, the music side, but the idea of you, if you're playing in front of people. Um... It was something I'd always thought I could do um, without ever having the means to do it until I got to university. And my degree course was film, TV and radio studies. And within that, a section was you have to plan and produce and curate a whole radio show. So you get a slot, two hours slot, once a week, and you've got to plan the show, you've got to plan the music, you've got to plan what you're going to say, and then you have to afterwards do an assessment of your own show which was the weirdest part of it. Because it's like watching the tape back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but didn't, didn't trap him at all. <laughs> but but the, weird, the weird thing about it was is that the way that the station worked was is that it was pumped out into the student unions. So it was technically an internet radio station that you couldn't really listen to over the internet because the technology was still in its infancy in those days. I say those days, it was like the year 2001. So... Um, but so I basically get everyone to come into the student union when I was playing so they listened to my show problem was my show was 11 till 1 on a Wednesday which meant that people were what at night no no in the the, yeah in the morning so people were either at lectures or hung over Getting them into a place to listen was like a hard. different a different type of graveyard shift <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it's like the, the student version of a graveyard shift. But I listened to them back and the people who were doing my module thought I did well. Everyone seemed to like my voice. That was the one thing that everyone kind of gravitated to straight away. So I was thinking, oh, okay. But the idea of constructing music within that was kind of secondary. It was only when I started DJing at the student union, basically because I was broke. And at that time, there was a really weird situation at our university. They didn't let, um, they weren't allowed to pay students so like all the people who worked behind the bar weren't students of our university they were students of other universities or other like kids weird. it was so weird there were so many things about our student union that was really weird this was one of them so the way that they got around it was they paid me in alcohol they basically said that I had a tab so right. I could drink as much as I want and then all I had to do was bring enough music to keep everyone entertained for as long as I could and I think that was kind of the birth of my style as it is now <laughs> because <laughs> I've just been kind of doing that for as long as possible just like 
I mean, obviously now that there are official cut-off times and stuff, but essentially my style is just, just keep it going as long as possible, keep spinning those plates and keep people dancing. Yeah, and it's it's just, it's, I mean, it's a different skill wherever you are and whatever you're doing, isn't it? And I think people, you know, do sometimes tend to think, oh, DJs just, just, just play records or play songs and play songs that, that people like. But I think, you know, you've, you've, you've got kind of different roles in, in different situations, in different bars. Like I remember DJing in a bar once and... The, the manager saying to me, everyone goes has one drink here and leave. It's your job to make them have two drinks. <laughs> yeah. And like that's like quite a similar I was like, oh, okay. That's quite interesting. Because that's that was an interesting night then because it was like you'd almost I always do four to five sets in one because one sort of group of people might be there and, and you think of what they like and then mm. you keep them for another drink so you've done your job. But when they go and like the, it was a bar <laughs> that had changed like hour by hour and so like you know the bar staff must be like this guy's all over the place. <laughs> but no but those are those are the yeah. best ones. Yeah. I mean my my first real regular slot in Liverpool was in Barcelona, and that is basically... That's very much the same. Yeah, yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, that is the king of people who turn up, they'll have one shot of one pound tequila, and yeah. then maybe another drink if they're still a bit dazed, and then leave. And I like, was always the absent. Of course you were. I'm sure everyone who works here at some point has got a Savar story. <laughs> but... That whole, like you say, the element of just trying to keep people in, it became part of the fun. And I still do it now. Like, um, there are sometimes you'll just be watching a group of people over the course of a night and you'll be kind of paying attention to when they like, when they get up and dance or when they hear a song and go, oh, maybe go to the bar. And then they get up to look like they're about to leave. And I'm thinking, okay, right. There's got to be one song I can think to make them put their coats back down. And then I've got like the time it takes them all to kind of get together and go to the toilet or whatever and then get ready to go to leave. So they open the door and then if I drop the right tune and then they stop and then they come back in, that's a win. <laughs> so is that your favourite reaction? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Is that the, the the music is so good that they've decided whatever that is out there is not as good <laughs> as what's in here. And again, that, that, that's kind of what you want because, yeah, Liverpool nightlife, particularly Friday night, Saturday night, there are lots of different places. It's the kind of city where people generally tend to want to go place to place to place, and that becomes the night rather than taking route somewhere. And a lot of the time, you've got friends who are playing in other places and stuff like that, but. I'm selfish. I want myself. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about that because you say about friends playing other places because I'm sure people listen and know you're a DJ, but they might not know that in many ways you are the uh, the father of the DJ <laughs> community here. Uh, that's not to say you invented it, but you've created and you sort of preside over a community, an online community of of, of DJs in Liverpool yeah. that's that's supportive in every possible way. Both, you know, I like that because I'm in this Facebook group and sometimes it's just people to moan yeah. to about, oh my God, the crowd today. Or, oh my God, this guy said that. Very often it's, shit, I've just got to the venue. I haven't got a Jack Lee this yeah. <laughs> yeah. And people come through oh, totally. on that. And then, but it's also, you know, I can't do this gig. Does anyone want to do it? And it is a very, and it's, it's, it's a proper community, isn't it? Amongst a group of people who you wouldn't necessarily associate being part of a community. Yeah, I mean... I think for me personally, when I first started doing it, there were people who I looked to, who I lent on for those kind of things, for advice, for help, for the times when you've messed up and you have forgotten something, you need something. And again, you're right, it's kind of, it's a really weird transition between being friends with people and having a shared interest and shared love, but then also being in competition with the same people because... We all work in a lot of different places. None of us are really attached fully to one venue at a time when yeah. you're working the bar system. So you might be playing one place one night and one place another night, one place another night. And then so you're, and sometimes you're in competition with your friends in terms of 
it's a Friday night and I'm playing here, he's playing there. Sometimes you're in competition with your friends where it's like, we're at the same place, I'm playing Friday night, he's playing the Saturday night. And it's like, you always want your night to be bigger. But by the same token, I like to think that I I know enough about what they're doing and what they're going through to know that there are times when they we can use each other, we can rely on each other. And that whole element of us being alone outside of the context of a, a bar where we don't get holiday pay, we don't get sick pay. Yeah. We can get easily binned off for no re- we're not um, getting a reason. So we need to kind of come together and stick together in certain elements of it. And it's been great to see because I just started it potentially on a whim, but it was something we've been talking about for ages, me and a couple of friends of mine. And it's just grown now to the point where it is the resource that everyone goes to if they've got questions about equipment or if they've got questions about uh, a particular place. Or sometimes now we even get uh, bar owners who will say, okay, I need a DJ. And I'll be like, okay, we'll just put something up in our group and I'm sure you'll find a DJ. Mm. But yeah, it's not necessarily unionising it, but there are certain elements of the nightlife world that only we really understand. On that is the way in which you mentioned before with Liverpool being really, really transient on night out. I remember something that would drive Martin Fitzgerald crazy, <laughs> crazy whenever he would speak to me. When either either in Liverpool or if you went out with Martin somewhere else, and you'd be like, "Right, we've had a drink in here, we're moving on." He'd be like, "Well, I've barely got my coat off. What are you, what are you <laughs> What's going on here? What, what are you What are you playing at?" And I'd be, you know, trading around Madrid after Gutman going from bar to bar and not understanding why this is happening to him. But it's, <laughs> we it's, were in a perfectly nice bar. Yeah, yeah, we were in a perfectly nice bar. Now we're not in a perfectly nice bar. Now we're in a bar that's as good as the previous bar. Granted, but um, is there is is you know do you notice that Liverpool's profoundly different to other areas for that? And when other DJs come in from outside Liverpool, sometimes do you think they're a bit like, hang on, what are these all doing? Yeah, it takes some getting used to. Um, I found, and when I was DJing in Manchester in particular, it was a little bit less like that. As in, people were quite happy to go to the same place, get the same little spot, and just chill out for a while. Um, London. I think it is more like that, but that's because everyone has in their mind the idea of there's so much to do in London. Yeah, the perfect London night house exists, but it doesn't. Yeah, exactly, that kind of thing. In terms of DJs getting used to it, it is kind of funny, especially when you're in somewhere where it's like, people, you, you just getting used to the place and you don't know what the traffic's like. And you're just seeing people come in and go out and come in and go out and they're just like, shit. Like, and they're just kind of searching around just trying to play something different than every other song just yeah. to find that thing that sticks it's like no mate just let it come <laughs> and the other thing about that as well is the time of the night it's very different if you've got an empty bar or a slightly empty bar at say 10.15 10.30 you're okay if you've got an empty bar at 12.30 then you've got a problem and that idea of it can go from zero people to 200 people in a second you got to be ready for that too. Yeah. <laughs> so I think people just want funny stories now. Mate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We've danced around there. Right, We've asked yeah. the technical shit. Well, I mean... I mean, just on the technical shit, you still see DJ, don't you? Yeah, that's still that's no, that's that, it, it's really interesting to me that you you still feel like it's not quite the same as vinyl, obviously, but you still feel as though you firstly you want to carry it, secondly you want to plan it a little bit. Just on that, I, I've, I've been fascinated by this. You've not you're not tempted to move. You're still sticking with that. No, I mean the the reasons why I gave for staying with it when everyone was moving to computers was initially the places that I was playing because this is the other thing. There's not necessarily going to be a booth in every single bar. Some Sometimes you are literally playing from behind the bar, yeah, which is its own probably his own show. <laughs> Although actually, the funny story is one of them will come from that time. <laughs> um, 
So you have that kind of, you're not really sure what's going to happen, where, where you're meant to be, or all those things. And I don't know, it's, <laughs> I do kind of love the idea that every time you go into somewhere new, it could be a little bit different. But when you're getting used to those places, when you've been to a few different places, you kind of get to expect certain things. And yeah, again, just that kind of, how can I put it? That kind of history with not only the music, but the nightlife, it's like eventually you've seen everything, even when you think you haven't seen everything. Now do the stories then, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I would start with, yeah, the, the, the kind of settings in terms of where we put stuff. The behind the bar, it's it's a ball like like they tell you it's not they tell you oh yeah you want to be right in close with the action there's loads of room there's loads of room there's not loads of room um <laughs> santa chupitos in particular that was my main experience of this because i used to do every sunday night in there and not only was there not a lot of room on the bar you've then got to basically get off because it's not just the bar it's the other side so you've got a box off because with me because I've got as you said two CDJs a mixer and CD wallets like the way that I think about music the, the kind of idiosyncratic way I do it the CDs are important to me that's kind of why I do it that yeah that, that's almost what I was touching on before you're very yeah. top middle and bottom if you know what I mean it's like there's, there's a tactileness to it and when I've watched you do it you're like your hands know where they're going very quickly it's not even like you're looking at times you know I'll flip to this I'll grab this and all that sort of stuff yeah and I, people have often asked me, can you teach me how to do that? And I'm like, no, I literally couldn't because it's a lot of time it's on autopilot and it requires a lot of things that now people use technology for, i.e. memory. So I have all like hundreds of CDs, different blank CDs, and they'll all be copies uh, that I've burnt of particular songs that I was into in a particular time. And I'll give them a really dumb name that only I know um, relates to that CD in that time. So when other people are flicking through it, they're like, what the hell is that? And like, you don't know, do you? Great. So that means you're not going to have people pecking your head. Anyway, going back to Santa Chupitos. So part of the interesting thing I found about DJing in there is the bar staff in particular. It's one of those places, I'm sure they won't mind me saying this, where they all fancy themselves. All of them fancy themselves. And that's just a barman thing in general. <laughs> But in San Chipitos, it was the height of it. And so a lot of the time when they were making drinks, there'd be flare, there'd be flames, there'd be flinging bottles around. And there was one guy in particular, I won't name him because I do think he actually listens to the show. Um, <laughs> he was really bad at all the flare, but he would keep doing it. And he would throw bottles and uh, it'd miss or they'd spill somewhere. And I'm like, mate, like I'm already on a really tight... Uh, tightrope here with the electrical equipment <laughs> and the liquids. So can we can we not please? And he was like, oh, but I'm trying to learn. And we was getting busier and busier. And over the course of the night, it was just becoming worse and worse. And then one time, uh, someone threw him a bottle. I think it was a bottle of vodka, and he missed it. Oh God! And it clean went through his hands and clocked me in the back of the head oh. while I was DJing. Uh, at which point I, I basically turned around to him, um, managed to remember to unplug my headphones. Because this is the other thing you've got to remember if you're a DJ. If you get angry, you've got to unplug your headphones. <laughs> or you're going to run away, get caught and look real stupid. <laughs> so I unplugged my headphones, um, picked up the bottle and just basically looked at him. like I was like, basically leaned towards him with the bottles just to say, I could quite easily throw this back at your head. And then I just threw it down and smashed it on the floor. And um, 
yeah, that was the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> there was no more throwing. Of, in fact, to be honest, I think I stopped playing there about a month after because I was just sick of it. But that's that's a really good example of the things that happen in a bar that you don't really kind of notice from the outside. And just the, the, the idiosyncrasies of different places, like with Barcevar, where there's a certain place on the floor where if you stamp really hard, the music cuts out. <laughs> And that's because the the mixer and all of the electronics are basically stacked up on beer mats. And it's just a really weird, horrible electronic system that doesn't really work properly, that no one's been bothered to fix because it's become part of the ambiance. But you ride it out because it's so much fun when you're in there and you're playing there. And yeah, there are, as I say, there are pros and cons to it. Genuinely, I still believe it's the best job that you could do in the world. Like you're encouraged to drink at work. I can think of very few... I mean, we do all right here. <laughs> I can think of very few other professions where that's the case. So, yeah. yeah. I don't think I'll ever stop fully doing it. Yeah. I mean, because some people sort of... Is it just to fall in and out of love? Or some people say, oh, you stayed for a while, but it got tired and of certain things. But your kind of passion seems to have stayed and if, if anything grown. And why do you think that is? The music. Genuinely, I think it's the music. I th- well, there are certain things that I do that I've kind of learned to not do. So, for example, I know people who will play a Friday, Saturday, Sunday night in the same venue every week. And then you are going to get bored. You're going to yeah. get see the same people. You're going to find yourself playing the same songs. It's probably in the same order. Mm. And then it just becomes a drudgery. For me, there are certain elements within the music that always keep me excited. I mean, anyone who's seen me when I'm DJing will know that I like the songs I play. It's yeah. painfully obvious. I'm literally <laughs> singing along, drumming along, bass guitaring along the works. And... That will never leave me. That's not... People often think that that's some kind of affectation. It's it's not. I mean, I'm doing that when I'm listening to the songs walking down the road. Genuinely, you should see me. But I think that the, my connection to the music, my, when I hear a new song and I always think, oh, I can't wait to see how this goes down. And I still, every single set I play, try to play at least one song I've never played before. Is that true? Every yeah. single time? Yeah. And that is... Do you be, go in before you start with that in mind? or, is, or So you have, tonight I want to play this for the first time. Yeah. And sometimes I'll go in with, and I'll be sure that I'm going to play the song. I think, yeah, this song's going to work so well. It's going to be great. And I get there and it just doesn't feel right. It just, the, the night just doesn't, there's not a perfect point to slip it in. So I think, okay, I'm not going to force it. But there'll be other songs that maybe I didn't, I've had from previous weeks that haven't played that wasn't the right time. And then it is the right time. And there are some people who don't think about it anywhere near as deeply as that. Granted, they're just there to do the job that they're there to do. Mm. But I think anyone who has any kind of idea of longevity or any kind of really love for it, it has to start with the music. It really does. And the other half of that is the people. I like talking to people when I'm DJing. Lots of DJs don't. Lots of DJs think it's the absolute worst thing in the world is being hassled by people. And don't get me wrong, dickheads are still dickheads. But I like listening to what people have to say because, again, it helps inform what I'm doing. So if someone comes and asks for a song that I don't intend to play, I don't even like, but they're not rude to me, then I'll try and find something. I'll be like, okay, well, what else do you like? And we'll have a conversation about it and we'll come to some kind of middle ground. And that lets me think, okay, well, if that's their version of the middle ground, the next time someone comes in asking for something similar, 
if I haven't got it, then maybe I can go in that direction. And it's just all building part of this kind of data bank in my head of musical connections and and different parts of what I can do. Because sometimes when you when you have to do things on the fly, it helps to know that you're not having to think about the music as well, that that's already in there. What's what your I'm gonna ask you a series of questions and almost try to build your perfect night. Okay. So what what's your perfect slot what's your perfect day? To DJ on Saturday. Saturday? Yeah. So what's your perfect Saturday slot? Ooh. Now I used to say that I would prefer to do two hour slots so that way I can be more robust with what I plan and all those things. But no, I, I it has to be a solid five, so I'm thinking I'm thinking nine two just because finishing it too makes it easier for me to get cab home. <laughs> <laughs> so you're nine to what's your without you know not to specify a venue. What's your favourite style of venue? I like somewhere that can be that can get busy. I, it needs to have a, a big room somewhere within it. I don't always need to be playing in the big room, but it could be somewhere where there's overspill. But that's the thing for me. There needs to be somewhere where there's a focal point. Hopefully, in my eyesight, if not necessarily right in front of me, where people will come, uh, dance floor where people can congregate, and so I can kind of take the temperature of the general room through this dance floor. But I just want it to be the kind of place where people don't feel like they turn up expecting a certain thing. Yeah, I don't want it to be the kind of like, okay, well, I'm in the rock club. Yeah, I don't want this. You're not necessarily in the rock club. You're not necessarily in a hip hop place. You don't necessarily have to go there dressed a certain way. You don't necessarily have to go there fearing people if you are a certain way. I think all of that really adds to that vibe. Private functions. Private function. I mean, that's a whole separate uh, yeah. genre, isn't it? <laughs> that was when I was going, I was going to build this perfect night, not not as nights from hell. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Like, You've done that now, though. Uh, the, the, so, what, where are you in weddings? What's your 40th position? I Bar mitzvahs? <laughs> I am very much available for weddings. Oh, parties. good to know. Yeah. Text I, in. Genuinely, I love it. Like, I mean, the, it takes away a lot of the, the kind of thinking that you have of a normal night and the other thing strips away what I was talking before, before about the competition strips away your ego or at least it should do if you're doing a wedding right you're then, doing it for the, the those people yeah and there's a kind of um, a relaxation that happens in those situations I find anyway and when I'm DJing at a wedding what I'll say to them is the bride and groom give me 10 songs that you definitely want to hear and they can be songs that you love or the songs that you know people who are coming love and then I basically build the rest from there and that makes it easy because you can give them the again you can see the songs you think oh, okay I can branch off of that there that there that there you give them the personal touch you can make a few predictions that if you like that you're probably like this as well but then there's also room for the stuff that you know you're definitely going to have to play because it's a wedding and that's just what way weddings work <laughs> and people are generally happy like you don't only get a good feed there's normally beautiful women dancing around it's really hard to find something bad about weddings unless Unless um, technically something's gone wrong, someone there's left out some kind of important point within the technical spec, but even then you can get around it. <laughs> there's, there's ways of getting around it. Everything I think yeah. it's it's to me it's fascinating the idea of that of of that of the same thing. Fortieth for birthdays, you know, I think it becomes something which 
as you say, the idea of taking the ego out of it's almost nice. That it, and also, the, you haven't got the... Firstly, no one who's not really in can come in. No. <laughs> so it's not the idea you're trying to draw people in from elsewhere, but also simultaneously, if they're leaving, they're almost certainly just going home. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's that as well. It's not just the taking the ego out of it in terms of who you're playing for and whether or not you're playing for you, but also the, the idea that you're not actually playing for an audience that doesn't exist yet, for a crowd that isn't there. Yeah. You're for this crowd and this crowd only. Yeah, definitely. And, and so... You can kind of run with that a little bit, specifically if you've got someone who, like, I remember there was a couple who were in a folk band who, it was very much like they had their folk friends and then they had their friends who used to go out one night with them. So once it got to a certain night, it kind of went from folk through to funk, through to Motown, through to drum and bass for like two hours of drum and bass. And that was just the situation because I knew that they liked that. Mm. And in a normal wedding situation, that would be like, that's the kind of thing that can really put people off. But I also knew that the people who wanted that knew that they needed everyone else to be happy first before we could go to that. And so again, it's just the like a little, little delicate intricacies of it that I really enjoy. Oh, at weddings, my favorite thing is I've discovered the South um, <laughs> has replaced. I've done two things at the South where weddings recently where went in Liverpool at a certain type of wedding that we've all been to. I'm sure. It's uh, New York, New York, or something like that. In the South, have committed heavily to it. Must be loved by madness, and I'm oh, banging yeah. to it. And oh, it, it's the big, it's yeah. the South's end of night. Mm-hmm. It's tremendous. I mean, they're, it's one, it's something they're definitely getting right. Yeah, and I must admit, I have transported it north. <laughs> <laughs> I have definitely dropped that at some Liverpool weddings. But yeah, that, again, that's 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 something that I grew up with. Genuinely, I mean, madness in general, I held in quite high regard. Most people in the South, but. It's one of those perfect songs that's, it's lo- it's a love song, but it's a bit upbeat, so you can kind of throw your arms it's, about. It's got jokes, too. yeah, and 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 you, but there's also got the um the sentiment within it and the bit that you can sing along, and then when it's the end of the night and it's a wedding like that, you want to kind of bring everyone back down to that central theme of like these two are in love and we're really happy about it. And as as the the end of the night song in and of itself, I find quite important and becomes more important the better the night's been. The more you want to put a proper underlying exclamation point on it to kind of, if not necessarily fix it in their minds, but it certainly fixes it in my mind. I've uh, recently uh, been around when you've DJed and one of the things that I actually made me, I thought of it when I was watching your DJ uh, and now you're coming and do this so I'll ask you on this rather than just ask you in general it was when when to play something new so it's one thing to play something you've not played before but that could be you know you, for, for one reason or another you can never remember playing uh, you know playing uh, Fashion by David Bowie and yeah, you decide yeah. fuck it I'll play it this time what I'm intrigued by is the idea of when you feel as though a song's broken through for the crowd that's in front of you, and that must be a really difficult thing to judge because you know you want to, you don't want to, you don't want to lock the room out or anything like no. that. But you listen to a lot, a lot of new music. You listen to a hell of a lot of new music. So that sort of moment when you realise that, for instance, this Jamie XX track is now in a position that I can drop it here. Yeah, that must be the hardest thing to judge because you've got what you're used to playing in these venues, and then all of a sudden you're desperate to play this, and maybe you've got to wait a couple of weeks, but then it comes. Yeah, yeah? and 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 that's another one. Of the things that keeps me going keeps me interested. Do you almost wait till someone requests it, or do you think you'll? Do you know what I mean? If someone it, comes, it depends. If it's if it's a new song by a band that or an artist that I know is already popular, then I'll go early. Yeah, and it's just a test to see how many people are onto it yet. And sometimes I do that with if if a new album's come out 
and I listen to it and I think, okay, well, that's the single, but this is the one that everyone's going to remember off this album. Yeah. So I'll start feeding that in early as well. Because I think I saw you, I think when this occurred to me was you play, play Good As Hell by Lizzo. And I remember thinking there's a point where Mo plays this for the first time, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and at that point, it might be that like three, because the room went mental for it because at the minute now you can play a Lizzo song anywhere and everyone in the world will stop. Yes. But there was a point where that wasn't the case. And so it's almost like at what point, I, I remember thinking I was going to come up and ask you, but I got distracted by the fact I was dancing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was going to come and ask you and so that sort of idea of when yeah. when was the first time you played this because if you haven't heard that song or you don't know it it, it would be a little disc- like hang on who's this and who's breaking up with it what's going on what's this bottle of tequila about and it's the same with True Hurts by Lizzo as well and True Hurts is more stark because of the way it starts yeah. it's just that weird kind of like plaintive piano intro and Lizzo's a really good example of someone who picked up loads of momentum. And sometimes when you're DJing, that will happen. There'll just be a wave. Someone will just come in. And the first song of hers I started playing was Boys, but that was just because I liked it. And it was sometimes you just go with one that you think it's, it's good. It's really nice in the room, that yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and people don't necessarily need to know it's Lizzo to be able to enjoy it. But when it's like, when you are trying to gauge with these new things, it's 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 so fun, and sometimes you'll get it spectacularly wrong, <laughs> and you just think, "Oh shit!" I genuinely thought that people would be up on this, and I sometimes I'm like, "Liverpool, I'm disappointed." <laughs> <laughs> but and then and there are other times, and I just the, the, the shelf life of songs as well. That's another thing that I would get really really intrigued by by a song that will absolutely slay one week and then maybe a, uh, a month six weeks later it's just a little bit meh and you're not sure if that's this room compared to that room or it's just that song's gone over the hump and you just say yeah, time to put it back and there are certain songs that are just always 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 gonna last like people are still asking me to play 212 by Azealia Banks and I think they're gonna be asking that for the rest of my life <laughs> <laughs> do you ever think about how it's formed your relationship with Liverpool as a city because obviously, as long as I've known you, you've been DJing here, and you know, if if it hadn't been for DJing, you know, would you have moved here? Would you have stayed? You know, or you know, if you were, you know, a guy who ended up in an office or whatever, like, how would your relationship <laughs> with Liverpool be? Is, is it something you think about? Um, DJing saved me from the office <laughs> because when I first moved here, that I had to have something, and so I was working in a phone shop, and then I'm transitioned from working the phone shop to working behind the bar. And then from there, it just feels just really easy to just get from this space to that space yeah. over there. Someone doesn't turn off. No, and it, <laughs> and that's what it was. And it, it was really funny because I was at Django's and I would... R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, Tuesday nights was my night to DJ and I'd always work on Monday night and work on Wednesday. And so it gets to like Tuesday and I would be so happy and go, hey guys, go DJ. And then get to Wednesday and I'm back behind the bar and it's just like, I was... I never got any tips on a Wednesday because I was just in such a mud. But yeah, the idea that my connection to Liverpool coming through that, so many of my friends, I've started friendships from people who I knew from, you know, they'd come in and we chat about music uh, while I'm DJing and then they'd keep coming in, they'd keep coming in and then I'd be like, you know, friend them on social media and then they'd become real friends and we'd actually go out and do stuff like So many of my friendships in Liverpool started from that way and it seems weird even now when I'm saying it, but so much of the atmosphere that was created between the music and between me, because I mean, I think me and my personality, 
really suits this job. That's kind of, I think that's kind of why I'm so good at it because it's that kind of you want to please people, you want to make everyone in the room feel comfortable, you want to make people feel happy. But also, I love music and I want people to know that as much as possible. <laughs> so yeah, that connection with Liverpool, who always are going to have. Uh, there's always going to be people here who care about music and not just on a superficial level, on a real emotional level. From the point of uh, creating music, that's always been an inspiration to me because I've always dabbled in that with never really being successful at it. But I feel like the way that I love music and the way that people who create music love music is the same. So that connection has always been built here. Uh, just to sort of round us off, is the one night you you look back on as the night everything just came together perfectly, the crowd was right, you were tip top, the venue was spot on. Is the one that you absolutely ha- always have in mind as um, it was brilliant that night? I mean, technically, there's two. That's <laughs> yeah. um, one of them, just because it was the kind of at that point the coolest thing I've ever done. Uh, a friend of mine was getting married in Sweden, and they were also getting married at a festival. And so they brought me over to DJ at the wedding, but then I was also DJing at the festival. And so I DJed the wedding on the Saturday afternoon, which was loads of fun. And then I DJed outside on this, um, it's kind of like on stage, but it was an open air tent, if that makes sense, as it was like a, it was out open. So there was about, I don't know, 500 people there. And it was the last set of the festival. So Sunday night, last set of the festival. And it was just, that was one that I had planned. Yeah, I bet, yeah. And uh, it was funny because over the course of the weekend, I obviously had the wedding set to do, so that was all done. But in my mind, I was just thinking of, oh, what am I going to do? Because this is like my big chance to be like a big proper DJ. And at that point, I was still thinking that, you know, I could potentially become a world famous DJ one day. And I realised that's not the case. Um, So I was thinking about it and I had a little book that I was writing things down as they were coming to me and then I was asking everybody and people knew what I was doing. So they were like, oh, I've got an idea for a song and and just like putting it all into my head. And then all of that information kind of fed into this one perfect, like it was three hours and it was like every mix was the perfect mix. Everybody was absolutely dancing their asses off. It was like that last Sunday night where you at a festival where all the energy you have you're getting it out there's nothing to save it for and the beautiful thing about that for that set as well is at the end i put my uh, headphones down what's this idea just stage kind of put my hands up so yeah thank you everyone was cheering then i turned around i picked up my bag i walked to the edge of the of the field got into a waiting taxi and then got into an air, straight to the airport to get on the fly <laughs> and that made it look really cool but it was just <laughs> I just basically uh, bought the flight on the wrong day so, <laughs> so I had to leave early <laughs> but I made it look like you're like I'm off to my visa <laughs> yeah yeah it was, it was like the ultimate mic drop yeah. that was great the other one uh, was in Bumper um, back in what I call the golden age of Bumper so we're talking like 2008 times and at that time what I was saying before about the idea of it going from zero people to 200 people in a second that's where it yes. happened. Yeah. And I think, uh, I'm sure all of you have been in there at some point and seen that happen. The Golden right? Age of Bumper. Yeah. And we all talk- the name of my memoir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people, people of a certain uh, vintage remember it in a certain way for a reason because it did just seem like a magical place. And that was where my style of music, my style of DJing felt most comfortable and that was kind of where so many of my gigs I've had since then, so many of the things I've done since then, my reputation was built there. And there's one night that I'll always remember. It was around about, I'm going to say April 
in terms of the time of the year and it, it was absolutely at its ramless point. And we'd had some problems around that point because where the, where the venue is, it's like the electrics of that whole area is weird. It's like four roads that all connected and there was a power cut in the Lipper building behind and that set out the whole block. So the whole place just went boom, no power. And the thing that happens, the thing that always makes me laugh when I'm DJing is that if there's something wrong, even if it's clearly something like a power cut, which is not my fault, Everyone starts booing. Yeah. That's just what happens. Everyone <laughs> just starts booing. And I'm just standing, I'm like, I'm standing like, look, there's nothing I can do here. And so there are people running around trying to sort things out. And it was one of those situations where people could start to think, oh, you know, well, let's just go somewhere else. Fuck this. But they didn't because they'd been having such a good night to that point. They knew that they didn't really want to go anywhere else because they didn't want someone else to come in. Because that was the days when there was like lines at the door. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, we managed to I managed to sort out what the power is, and then um, they're just about to turn the lights back off, and I'm like, just wait, just just hold on one second. And <laughs> I, you, I, you know, um, Intergalactic by yep. the Beastie Boys, and the bit where it goes, Beastie Boys, not to let the beat mm, drop. I basically started with that. So it just said, Beast Boys, not to let the beat. And then I just went, mm, and just held it for held that mm, for ages. And then I put my hand up in the air. And then when it said drop, that's when the lights went off. And Very then the music smart. hit back in. <laughs> and it was just, I don't really do gimmicks like that often. But when they work, like, <laughs> it's like, it was like a powder keg went off in the place. And the rest of the night was just so, the, the energy was just like held from that moment for the rest of the evening. It was just spectacular. Awesome. Marvellous. Thank you very much, Damone. That's been most special subject. Thanks to John. I've been Neil. Uh, that was a ball. Sports Social Podcast Network.